What's up guys? Welcome back to the podcast. If this is your first time tuning in, my name is Alexis Monet Howell and I am so, so, so excited to have a conversation with you guys today. As you can see by the title, we are going to be diving into the word. I am a huge lover of the Bible and it is the only book for the longest time that I would read. I, I never knew that reading could actually be interesting. So growing up, I was like, the books, no ma'am, I'm good until I found the book and I have fallen in love with the Lord's word. So I'm so excited that we get to read God's word together and have a Bible study session. It is so fun when I get to do one-on-one Bible study sessions with folks and just hear their hearts and their perspective on scripture. And so that is what you and I are going to do today. We are diving into Ephesians 2 because when I opened my Bible the other day, it just jumped off the page. And usually that is a sign to me that the Lord is speaking something to my heart. And I believe he's also speaking something to your heart. So I'm so excited to jump in to it y'all so what we're gonna do is we're just gonna read verse by verse talk about it you guys please be sure if you're watching on youtube to share your thoughts in the comments any questions you have any revelations you get anything that just like intrigues you as we read throughout ephesians 2 because i want to hear your thoughts and your hearts um and anything that the lord gives to you or any questions you have so please feel free to share your questions and your thoughts but there's really not much Uh, else to say than to get into it. So uh, Ephesians 2 is written by Paul and Paul has written most of the New Testament. So he wrote Romans, which is such a good book for you guys to read as well. But um, I, I just think it's just so beautiful all that Paul writes within Ephesians 2 specifically and the freedom that he gives us Um, because of the freedom that he received from the Lord. So we're just going to take it verse by verse and read the words of Paul, which are really the words of the Lord for us. Ephesians 2 and 1 says this, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. This right here alone is so good to me because this is why the Lord says that he has come to give us life and life in abundance. He says that in John 10 and 10, because we were dead. We gonna need some life if we're dead. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he is giving us life. Now, how do we receive this life? It is through salvation. It is through the acceptance of Jesus. Now, the other part that I love about Ephesians 2 and 1 is where it's focusing on you and I. It says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. I don't know if you've ever walked through the Christian faith where you felt like your sins were There was a whole bunch of them. And so Paul is writing to us that we were once dead because of our disobedience and our many sins. And we can take that as those who have not, um, we were once dead. That that is speaking to those who have accepted Jesus. Now we have life and life to the full because we have accepted Jesus. But there are still people who are spiritually dead. And there is life for you if you are that person. 
Okay, we're going to go into Ephesians 2 and 2. Verse 2 says, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. I heard it like this and I love how it was said and I know that there's grace for this, but basically we are dirty rags in need of a holy cleansing. That is who we are as humans, dirty people who need to be cleaned. And the one who can truly cleanse us of all of our filth and baggage and mess is Jesus, right? So we all need Jesus. Before the acceptance of Jesus, we wanted to do what we wanted. We did what we wanted to do. What we didn't want to do, we didn't do. Like we were the rulers of ourselves. We just did whatever felt good, whatever seemed good, and we just went with what felt or seemed uh, pleasing, right? And we did what we wanted to do, how we wanted to do it, and didn't really care if God wanted it done or not. That is the way we used to live prior to the cleansing and the sanctification and the salvation of Jesus. It talks about that actually in Jeremiah 7 and 24, how we follow the pleasures of ourselves, not giving any uh, consideration to how God may feel about what we do, say, or think. Now, if you're not obeying Jesus, simply put, you're obeying the devil. I actually heard someone else saying that you will feed and starve what you want. If you feed the spirit, you starve the flesh. If you feed the flesh, you're starving the spirit. We are in control of the choices that we make. So the question is, who are you obeying? My hope is that if you're not already obeying Jesus, that you would start obeying him in this moment and from that point on. And if you are obeying Jesus, continue to obey him even when times get tough. Just like Jesus is not seen, neither is the devil. Both of them we cannot physically see, but both of their presence is evident in the world by the actions of you and I. We can see through the kind words of people that Christ is here on the earth. And we can see through the destruction of the world that the enemy is still having some sort of power and some sort of influence on the earth. Though we cannot see Jesus and though we cannot see the devil physically we understand that their presence are here on the earth by the actions that we have now it also says that our hearts it is it is the spirit um the devil is the spirit at work in our hearts it says actually in proverbs 4 and 23 that we are to guard our hearts because what we do flows from that and other scriptures it talks about how our hearts are deceitful above all things and we need that cleansing remember the cleansing that we need is from jesus and jesus alone verse 3 says all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we are subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Again, Paul is actually writing, and I forgot to mention this earlier, he is writing to the people in Ephesus, like God's holy people, believers of Christ Jesus. He is writing to them. He is sharing with them what they already know, which you have been redeemed. You have been set free. Don't go back to your ways because you have been freed and freed indeed by Jesus. So he is writing to believers. That is you and I. And even if you're not a believer right now, there is so much good truth for you so that you can jump on the team and become a believer and experience the abundant life that Jesus has died for you to receive. 
So in verse three, he is saying, he's talking to the believers about how we used to live. Like I said earlier, we did what we wanted to do, how we wanted to do it and didn't care if God wanted it to be done or not. In verse three, he is again sharing that we used to follow the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. It says in Romans three and 23 that we have all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And this is so true. You and I are going going to fall short of the standard, the holiness, the righteousness, the goodness of God. But this does not mean that we cannot be used by him. This does not mean we cannot be blessed by him. And this doesn't mean that we can't go into his presence because he says to come to him. He says to enter his gates. He says to walk with him and live with him because he is a relational Lord. Okay. Um, so why were we subject to God's anger? Like it says, in verse three, why, what, what makes us, what makes people subject to God's anger? It is because apart from the Lord, we are nothing. Apart from him, we are evil. We are the opposite of who God is when we're not attached to his holiness. So he is holy. We are unholy. He is good and we do bad things. He is righteous and we ain't righteous. <laughs> There's things that God is that we are not. And so as unbelievers there is this wall that you cannot access the beauty of who God is but as believers because we accept Jesus's sacrifice we get to enter into all the holiness all the goodness and all the blessings that God has always wanted to give us so we want to make sure that we are covered in the Lord's blood by accepting his son. And we know that the sacrifice of Jesus quenches the fire of the father because Jesus conquered our sin for us. So we no longer had to live the way that we want to live, but live in the way that God desires us to live, which is a good, pleasing and perfect life. Um, Okay, verse four, y'all. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much. This also can be referred to John 3, 16, which is often recited, often written, and you people, even unbelievers know it, right? For God so loved the world and he gave his only begotten son, if you're doing the King James Version, but he gave his only son so that whoever wants to believe in him can and they can have everlasting life. John 16, 27 says that the father himself loves you. I love that scripture. And I used to, I used to write it on my heart often because I reminded myself as I went through the purification process of becoming a Christ follower, that the father himself loves me. The father who has created heaven and earth, the one who speaks things into existence and takes things that he doesn't want to be there anymore. He loves me and he loves you. The heart of God was over and over again broken by his creation, but yet he still pursues us with his love. Verse five through six says that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. 
It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Verse 6 says, For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Again, Paul is writing to the believers. He is writing to the people who have already accepted Jesus, who want to live for Jesus as best as they can. And he is saying that we get to see the goodness of God in our lives here and now because of the sacrifice of Jesus. We get to see in this verse, in these two verses, the power of God. He has the power to raise the dead. We see the grace of God to even allow a sacrifice to be made so that you and I can become his sons and his daughters. We see the love of God to not just leave us as sinners, as sinners, but to extend the invitation and crown us as sons and daughters to those who accept Jesus. He is a good God. He is a powerful, gracious, and loving God that we get to take part in each and every day. And that is a good, good thing. Verse 7 says, So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. Again, God is gracious. It's who he is. And I saw that actually, I did a Bible study with my family months ago and we read the book of Revelation. And I always feared Revelation because I had heard it was like a hardcore book and just end times and darkness and blah, 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 blah. And so as I matured in my faith, my family and I decided to go for it. And it is such a mind blowing book. And In that book, I saw the Lord being so gracious, so, so gracious and allowing people to come to him even after abandoning him time and time again. God is gracious. Verse eight says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Not only is God gracious, not only is God powerful and loving, but he is the best gift giver out there. He gives good gifts to his kids and he does it willingly. He does it out of love. He does it because it's who he is. And the fact that you and I have been saved, it is not by our own doing. It is a gift and a gift alone from the Lord. Verse 9 says, salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Now, we boast about our accomplishments and achievements, but with salvation, it's different. We cannot boast about being saved by a righteous and holy father. We cannot boast about being covered in the blood of Jesus. We can't boast about those things because we didn't earn it. We did not earn his love. We cannot earn his favor. We cannot earn his blessings. He gives it because he is good and he is God and he wants to be a good God to you. So these are the things, though we can boast about the accomplishments and the achievements that we have, salvation cannot be boasted about from us. Salvation is not because I received perfect attendance in school and salvation is not received because I've never smoked weed or I've never done drugs or I've never had sex outside of marriage. These things do not qualify me to become or to receive salvation. Salvation is given for those who accept it. It is a free and a good gift from God. 
So, though we cannot earn God's grace, we can receive his grace and become sons and daughters like he has died for us to receive. Verse 10 is often quoted as well. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us in Christ Jesus, or he has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. What I love about the Lord is that not only is he holy and good, but he wants to use us in all of his holiness and all of his goodness. The Lord actually delights in the details of our lives. Psalm 37, 23 says that, and God has made us new in Jesus. Like I talked about before, we are dirty rags in need of a holy cleansing and Jesus has done that cleansing And it's so beautiful that we get to be cleaned by the Lord day in and day out, made new so that we can walk in the things that the Lord has for us. Now that we've been cleansed, now that we've been made new, now that we have Jesus as our focus, we can step into all the good things God has planned for us. Verse 11 says, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it only affected only their bodies and not their hearts. I love the way that Paul calls out who the Gentiles used to be. Now you and I are the Gentiles. Gentiles are those who are not Jews. The Gentiles back then and you and I being Gentiles, we didn't have the teaching of the Lord's word. We didn't have the commandments. We didn't have the rituals. We didn't have the regulations like the Jews had. And so we were outsiders. We were um, just people that didn't know outcasts basically. And so Paul is talking to the Gentiles. He's talking to you and I who used to be outsiders. And he's saying that this is what we used to be. Sometimes we have to be reminded of what we've been freed from and what we were once labeled as so that we can rejoice in just how good God has been to redeem us, restore us, and renew us. Sometimes our praise is fueled when we remember what used to bind us and what used to chain us. And so Paul is calling out what they used to be and what they used to be labeled as so that can fuel their fire to praise the Lord that freed them from those very things. Others were once known or once we were once known as sinners and gossipers, but now we are redeemed people who encourage others. This is the sanctification of Jesus to take the dirtiness of who we are and to make it new, to make it pure, to make it holy and good so that he can receive all glory. Other people may have labeled us and we may have labeled other people. I know I have, but Jesus wants to free both of us and others. Pride can be in our accomplishments, in our appearance, and in our intellect, but don't get it twisted. That accomplishment, your appearance, and the intellect that you have does not matter more than the salvation and the the sanctification of Jesus. Jesus is set apart and is holier than anything you can ever do, wear, or think. He is just better. Jesus is better. Verse 12 says, in those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. 
Paul makes it plain plain on how we used to live before being saved. We were people who lived apart from Christ, who lived without God, and who lived without hope. God is our hope and he gives us our purpose. There are many people out here who are lost and unsure of their purpose in life and the reason that they're living. Now, the reason that they're unaware of their purpose and and the reason that they're unsure about why they're still breathing is because they are apart from Christ, they are without God, and therefore without hope clarity and knowledge of their purpose. You cannot know who you have been created to become if you are not attached to the creator. And we get to attach ourselves to the creator each and every day by reading his word, by talking to him in prayer, by being in community with people who love him too, by attending uh, church services, whether online or in person. When we are connecting ourselves with the Lord, we then understand our identity, our purpose. We get to live it out. We get to be confident and who we've been created to be. We get to praise our Savior for who he is. We get to see his graciousness, his love, his his kindness. All of that is because we attach ourselves to Christ. And because we have Christ, we have hope. Verse 13 says, But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Praise God. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. But life doesn't have to stop here. The person of hope wants to extend himself and his grace to you. You don't have to live in confusion. You don't have to be far from the Lord. You can always come back to him because his arms are always wide open for you. So if you're far from God, if you don't feel him as close to you as it was in one season, you can always come back to the Lord, read his word, talk to him in prayer, receive his grace. Because the person of hope wants to extend himself to you and he wants to extend his grace to you. You and I were once enemies of God, but now because of Jesus, we get to be sons and daughters of the most high God. Okay, verse 14 says, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. He has united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Christ himself has given us peace and he has united us into one. Through his sacrifice on the cross, he has broken down the walls that separated us from his holiness. Now, we are all messed up people who need a miracle working savior and Jesus has done the work. We have just got to receive the gift. Verse 15 says, he did this by ending the system of the law with his commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Again, we talked about the Gentiles were not Jews. They were outcasts. They didn't have the teachings and the regulations of God. Now, the Jews did. Jesus himself was a Jew. And so they knew the rituals and they knew the person of God more so than the Gentiles did. So the Lord has taken these two groups and made them into one by the sacrifice of his body, saying that there is neither the left nor the right, but there is just one in me, in Christ, right? The law was given to the Israelites at one time to keep them in line with the Lord, giving them kind of a guidance, a a standard, a step-by-step thing that this is how you stick close to me. Now that Jesus is on the scene, the law is no longer the standard and should not be sought after 
Christ, being our source, is the one who should be sought after. We move from rules and regulations to relationship. We, as we pursue Jesus, we also fulfill the law that the Lord had given his people because Jesus is the bridge between the holy standard of God and our constant failures in life. And he gives us the grace. He gives us the hope. He gives us the reassurance and the redemption that we need so that we can live for the king of kings. Verse 17 says, he brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. A lot of people right now are looking for peace. And peace is not a feeling necessarily. Peace is a person. And that peace, that person is Jesus. Jesus gives what he is. Jesus gives peace because he is peace. So if you're lacking something, if you're lacking community, if you're lacking um, hope, if you're lacking peace, it is found in the person of Jesus. And then he tells us the unique ways that we can find um, or fuel ourselves from the things that we're lacking, right? The good news is that the good news that is talked about in 17, verse 17. Can I talk y'all? Well, okay. The good news that is talked about in verse 17 is that while we were sinners, dead because of our many sins, remember in verse one, Christ died for us and he wants to give life to those who believe in him and want to live for him. That is the good news of Jesus, that we get to live life in abundance and be saved by a holy God to go from dirty rags to a holy cleansing and be loved by a holy father. That is the good news. Verse 18 says, now all of us can come to the father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. It is not you go over there and I'll go over here. It is we get to go to God as believers because Jesus has died, paid our debt, made us new, and we get to walk in that freedom. Now, whether Jew or Gentile, you can both go to God because Christ's sacrifice has been made and we get to receive his Holy Spirit who guides our lives. It says in scripture that the Holy Spirit is our helper. He's an advocate. He is a guide and he is our very best friend. Verse 19. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. We are no longer foreigners, guys. We get to be friends and family of God. Verse 20, together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. Romans 12, five through six says that there are many parts of one body, each given a specific gift and talent to glorify the Lord. Together, you and I get to be the church. We get to tell people about the goodness of God. And we are, there's not one person that builds the kingdom. There are many people who get to build the kingdom of God. But we cannot successfully stand tall unless we are firmly rooted in Christ. He is our strong tower, sturdy foundation, and cornerstone. The last two verses says this, we are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. 
These verses scream sanctification, which means it is a holiness and a righteousness and anything good that is the Lord. And it is a process for us to get there. So God, again, is good and holy and righteous. Now, for us, it's a little bit hard to do, but Jesus takes us through the process of sanctification, of purification, which is making us more like him, making us better, making us more holy, making us more righteous. And he does that through the process of sanctification. Paul is not talking about striving for perfection but rather being willing to go through the purification process of intentionally joining ourselves to Christ, living for him and doing what pleases him. Guys, you and I get the opportunity to be made alive in Christ. It is a beautiful thing. And I hope you guys have enjoyed going through Ephesians 2 with me verse by verse. If you have any questions, any comments, or anything that the Lord just like jumped um, off the page in your mind and in your heart, please let me know in the comments below. And I am just so thankful for God's word, which is holy and which is good. I might not have loved reading books growing up, but this book, the book, the holy word of God, the mind and the breath of Christ is beautiful. And I love it so much. And I have loved being able to talk to you about a beautiful passage of scripture, which is Ephesians 2. I will see y'all in the next episode. Bye. Thank you guys so much for tuning into the podcast. I hope it has been an encouragement to you that you've had a moment to laugh and also a moment to learn about God's goodness. This is what this podcast is made to do, to encourage you and to equip you in the Christian faith so that you can live it out as best as you can. If you are watching me right now on YouTube, please be sure to like and subscribe. Leave any comments or questions that you have down below and I'll be sure to get back with you. I want to have a conversation with you. I want to hear your heart. If you're listening to me through podcasts, please be sure to subscribe and to give it five stars. Amen. Because that also helps my podcast out so, so much to get it out to as many people as possible. So I'd love your feedback. I would love to hear from you. I would love it all. So please be sure to like, to subscribe if you're on YouTube and to subscribe and to rate if you're listening to me through podcasts and share this with any and everyone so that they can be encouraged as well. There's a lot of things that the Lord is doing through this ministry. One of those things is through book writing. I have written my book called Dear Broken Girl, and it is a book to encourage you again in the faith and just give you some guiding steps on how to grow and your relationship with the Lord. I talk about personal stories and it's just here to be relatable, to be real so that you can live out the best life that you have been created to live. You can get your copy on Amazon, but if you want a signed copy, you can send me a message on TikTok, Instagram, or Facebook at Dear Broken Girl. Let me know you want a copy and I will send one your way. I've also got one of the brand new books out and it is called Pretty Brown Girl, God Loves You. It is my first children's book. I'm so excited to share this with you guys. It is available for pre-order at Walmart and Amazon, Books A Million, Barnes and Noble. All you gotta do is look up Pretty Brown Girl, God Loves You and go ahead and get your copy, okay? I'm so excited to share this with you guys and I'm so thankful again for your support, for your comments, um, and for your prayers. So before I let you go, let's pray. 
Father, I'm so thankful for the people who are listening to me. It is not by accident nor by coincidence that they are hearing me right now that we've had a conversation today, but it is by your divine interruption and by your divine nature and love for us that we've been able to have a conversation about your goodness and grace. I pray nothing but your holiness and your goodness, your provision and your protection over those who are listening to me. Would you bless them? Would you use them according to your will for your glory and their good? We love you so much, Lord. You are good and holy. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.